Hello and welcome to the Stoked on Spokes podcast. 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 Wait, like SOS? Well, it's about fight, ride, gear, races, community, and so much more. My name is Curtis White. My name is Magalie Rochette. My name is Stephen Hyde. I'm Caroline Menus. I'm Gay Jack. I am Anna McGeeley. This is the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Let's get rolling. Hello, and welcome to the 68th episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Today, I'm at Recree's Bike Studio talking to the owners, Jennifer and Aaron Austin, also, Mike Medor and Pete Tolls about everything about their bike shop, how it started, why it started, the things that are going on in their community also. How are you all today? Good. Very good. Great. So can you please introduce yourself and uh, give your bicycle background, please? My name is Aaron Austin. I'm co-owner with my wife, Jennifer, and I've been riding since I was a kid. The short break when I got my license, but, you know, I think some of us do that. I've always been around it in some capacity or another and now we're doing it so all the history i can give right now (laughs) i'm jennifer and like aaron said i'm the co-owner with him same thing been riding since i was a kid loved riding fortunately had to take some time off after a back injury so that's kind of caused the slowing of my progression in riding. This year is going to be my year. I'm definitely going to start riding again. So we're excited about that. Hi, I'm Mike. I've been involved in the bike industry since the mid-80s based on watching the Olympics and a five-day stage race back in my city in southern Massachusetts. 20 years as a sales and service person and now here as a retiree working in the bike shop as a uh, part-time mechanic. I am Pete. I've always kind of bikes since I was a kid and when I became an adult it's way more fun and cheaper than a car so do you guys remember how you first met each other I'm mainly asking mainly for the Jen and Aaron but I also want to know how you guys met the uh, your employees also how, <laughs> how, how we met each other how, how did you guys first meet Jennifer's father moved his family from California to here I'm from here and we met after that short just shortly after that took a couple years, there's a roundabout way that we got together, but otherwise I would have never known her. Well, I can say when the first time I saw him, I thought he was a nerd. <laughs> he was, and I say that because I came from California and he was wearing a sweater vest and we were past that already, <laughs> but he grew on me. He was supposedly going to uh, go out with a friend of mine and all of a sudden we realized we liked each other rather than him going out with my friend. So it worked out. Well, I'll tell how we met him and then they can do their own thing. But Pete used to come into a shop that we briefly ran years ago, over 20 years ago, in Adams of all places, a little town of Adams. He used to come in as a, as a kid there and bought some bikes from us. And, you know, kids would come, kids always come into the bike shops. And most of them are just, you know, not too serious. But Pete came in, he'd always come in with, he always had a reason he was there. And we remember, you know, kind of remembered that. Didn't think about it much until he walked back in one day and bought a bike from us at her new shop when we had opened in 2018. Of course, he was adult, an adult by then. So a little bit more time went by, but then we ended up asking him to come over. So it's been a pretty interesting progression there. Yep. Mike walked in one day and talked to us a little briefly and then said, are you looking to hire somebody? And he told us all of his experience, which he enumerated some of it there a minute ago. And we're like, yes, we are. <laughs> and that, that was a couple of years ago now. So Two years. Yeah. So he's been he's been really good find. Yeah, I needed bike parts. <laughs> and this was the only shop around that had the bike parts I needed other than driving all the way to Syracuse, which was no fun. 
And as Aaron said, we started talking and I was looking, I had just retired and I was looking to get back into wrenching again. One thing led to another and two years later, I'm here wrenching, having a great time. Yeah, it's basically what he said. Used to buy bikes off him years ago and come in and cause problems. So now I'm back causing problems again. <laughs> He's only half joking. <laughs> How did Recree's bike studio happen? Because it's, it's not an over, it, it, it's probably a thought, and then, you know, it's a lot of planning. So how did this place become a thing? We had seriously looked at doing a bike shop on several different occasions over the last, well, before we opened, like, eight or ten years. And there was always something that just wasn't quite working out or just didn't seem right or whatever. And we, we knew we were going to get one shot at it, and we wanted to make sure that it was successful uh, with that one shot. So we'd always put it off for some reason or another. Eventually, we moved back here. Like I said, I'm from here. And we moved back up here from a little bit further south. And I worked, I had worked at other shops. And when I came to the area, there was just a need. You could see there was a need. Specialized rep called me one day, I remember the day, said, hey, are you opening a shop or not? I said, well, we've decided to put it off another year. And he said, well, that's too bad because I'd bring Specialized if you opened this spring. That's a great brand to be able to open with. It's a small shop in a small town. So we really had a big, long, hard talk for several hours, decided to go for it, got a lot of help from the local business development center at JCC and, and some other key people as well, and really crammed. I spent 65 hours doing a business plan and all that that you have to present to everybody. Here we are. <laughs> that, that's kind of the, the business side of it, how it came about. And I think that I can add that I will say I probably held us back over the years because I kept saying, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And this just all fell in. So it felt right. And that's the first time I really jumped in with both feet. So it was nice to be able to feel like we were a team, which before it was kind of a little bit me holding them back. So this has turned out, I think, great as a partnership. Were there any steps that were very crucial before you guys opened? Well, for me, it was making sure that we had everything front. So a lot of, obviously, paperwork, learning what we had to have as a business in this area, as well as trying to make sure the community was going to support that. So going out and talking to a lot of people, trying to kind of feel people out to see what they were looking for and being able to do that and then support that as we started to um, put the business plan together. So how has the bike shop developed since day one to now? We started a couple of buildings down from where we currently are located. And, and the building we had was about 14 feet wide. That was great. That, that, that got us started. But within six months, we'd already outgrown it. At the same time, the landlord who owns both properties, the previous one and this one, needed us to move because they had changed what they were going to do with the one we were in. We made a deal with him to come down here, but he needed us to come. So he gave us a really good deal to come down here. And so now we're in the space. If anybody's come in and seen it, everybody who comes in is really impressed with the space because of the brick walls and the size of it and everything. So that, that worked out really well. So bigger space, a lot more employees. We still have Specialized, but we do have other brands, several other brands, if you include some of the BMX stuff and other things, uh, e-bikes. We do a lot more service than I could have done by myself. Uh, with these guys sitting here and Terrence, who's kind of sitting over in the corner there. Last year, we did 1,300 work orders, and that's that's a lot anyways, but our season up here is so short 
that, that gets crammed into a, a very short season that really it just explodes on us every year. Really picked up the service. That's what's kept us going, especially the last couple of years when it was hard to get products. The service kept us alive, basically. So there's been a lot of changes right now. If people could look around here, we're undergoing construction. We're building a new service area to try to get a little more room and hopefully eventually be more efficient with it. So changes keep happening because we're, you know, people keep coming more and more. So that's been great. And I have to say that we've kind of changed our focus too. When we were first opened, it was we got to sell to be able to do service. So you kind of did that. However... We've started seeing what we needed to do, and a lot of it has to do with the amount of women that we have coming in. And I know that a lot of times when women walk in, they're intimidated by a bike shop because it's all guys. But we're trying to make it so they're comfortable. When they walk in, they know that they're going to get respect no matter what. And if you're a beginner, you're going to say, oh, I don't, I don't know if I should answer questions like that or ask questions. They don't have to do that when they come in here. They, they know they can come in, and they're going to have a respect. And I think that's what we really started to focus on when I looked at our analytics, found out 52% of our business is women. So we're really pushing for that so that women can feel comfortable, come in and purchase um, something without feeling like they're inadequate and in asking questions about writing. How important is that to grow the area around here? Because um, if I look at most events I've run over the years, the percentage of women participation is about anywhere from 19 to 25%. So how important is it to get more women involved and hopefully, you know, doing more things. I think it's essential. One of the things that I'm doing is when I post anything on social media, I'm always saying, we only see this many women. Come on, let's sign up. I'm trying to get that. And because I've been hindered by my injury, not being able to ride, that is one thing that I have to push to. I got to push myself to put myself out there so people know that there's someone that wants to start a woman's ride or being able to, even if they want to ride with the guys, it's fine. But be able to see that there's other ones that we can support each other and work out so that they can feel comfortable again being with people. So obviously when you, you're not injured anymore, obviously it's a little bit more of a better way to be an ambassador to get people out there. Like you said, women's rides are important, but some of the rides I've been on over the years would just have, you know, say no drop or different groups. And that's big on getting anyone to come out also. That's correct. We have tried really hard to impress upon people that the Saturday morning ride we do is supposed to be a no-drop ride. I wanted to try to model it after, after a ride we used to do in North Syracuse, which is really fast guys would show up. And we'd all chase them around. But every one to three miles, we knew we were racing to a stop sign or whatever it was, and we were stopping and gathering up. And so it worked out for everybody. Fast guys could race five times or however many segments there were, and the slower people just cruise on up, and then we all took off again. And so for some reason, I'm having a hard time getting people to do that here. So we're going to try to do that again this year because we have had, over the years, we have had a lot of people who would be or B or C or whatever you want to call, people who don't want to ride that fast, show up. But they only show up once or twice because they don't have, they don't feel like we're waiting for them enough. And then... We never get them back. And then a couple more show up the next time. And if they were all would show up, they'd have a big old group. They'd be a bigger group than the fast guys or, or fast gals. And that would be great. So we're hoping to get it out there that we will, we want you to come. And we'll try to accommodate whoever comes the best we can. And if we get a big enough group, then everybody will be accommodated because there will be people your speed there. And not just that ride, other rides too, but that's the one we focus on because it's ours. So we're hoping to try to promote that a little bit better than we have in, in the past.
some group rides I've been on over the year, whether shop rides or just regular group rides, have indicated that there's a there's a there's a B ride, but this is the person who's going to lead it, and this is the person who's going to sweep. So it's a lot easier to get people to be more comfortable when they know this person's going to be going 16 to 17 miles an hour, right. and this person's going to be the last person no matter what, and they both know the way. Right. That's a lot. I think a lot more accessible way to get people involved in group rides. I agree. The number of customers has increased pretty dramatically, and I think it's really interesting that the demographics of the customers are an older age group that are either beginning riding or resuming riding after extended periods. And that's great. I'm 67, so to find, you know, to have people that are middle-aged up finding enjoyment and wanting to take to participate in riding again is really, really good to see. Uh, this is a relatively small population area. I'm from the Boston area, and we have more co- population in a couple of square blocks than this entire area. But the downside of it is you can't ride a block without having 150 cars go by at 40 miles an hour hunking their horns. Here, we have endless miles of absolutely beautiful roads compared to where I'm from that just beg for people to get out and ride their bikes on them. And I think a big plus has been the advent of the e-bike. We've had a lot of middle-aged and older customers come in that could not ride bikes because that health issues, mobility issues, etc. And they buy an e-bike and they come back and they say, well, before I could only go a mile or so. You know, now we went out and we did a 25-mile ride. We did the Black River Trails. We went down and did this or that. So as we're seeing the advent of the e-bike becoming more popular, especially amongst more middle-aged generations, we're seeing a much broader impact on cycling in this area. Service-wise, we've seen, yeah, way more e-bikes way more BMX bikes, stuff like that. A lot of different brands and I don't know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, you'd hardly saw anybody riding bikes. So it's gotten a lot bigger. So what have you learned so far from this journey of owning and working at a bike shop? It's hard. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't, I, I think a lot of people don't take it seriously or at least they don't know how hard it actually is to be on this side of it. Sometimes looking in from the outside, it seems like it's going to be a good time all day, every day. And and it is in certain ways. We get to be around bikes. We get to live vicariously through every customer who buys one. You know, I can't afford to buy a bike every day. So when somebody buys one, we kind of get to feel the thrill a little bit with them. So that's all great, but it takes it takes a lot of effort and juggling and behind the scenes type stuff like that that you might not necessarily see if you just walk in the shop so it's hard but it's worth it for all the reasons we've talked about so far and also more things that we hope are coming on the horizon by by being here and growing it like we have now we're in a position to to do some other things, which we can talk about later if we want, but we're hoping that this will lead to other things too for the community, the cycling community specifically. And I think I would say that you watch each other grow. You know, as a couple owning, a lot of people say, oh man, I could never work with my mate. And there are days that we feel like uh, 
oh, we'd like to strangle each other, but that's beside the point. I, I think that I've learned a lot within myself to know that we can take the community and learn from the community. And I wasn't necessarily someone that would go out and talk to people, but now I have that freeness where I didn't have before. So learning how to gain response and find out what they need and then grow with it. And he does a great job. I think a big part is the look on people's faces of the commentary we get from our customers when we service their bikes or if we sell them a brand new bike, but especially on the service end of it. They'll bring us a bike that you know, maybe has seen some neglect and we put a lot into servicing them and making those bikes walk out of here or roll out of here looking almost like a brand spanking new bike. And the smiles it puts on people's faces, I think is a lot different than buying a car or buying a lot. Those things are all necessities. I need a car to get to work. I need this for this reason. But a bicycle is, I need it because it makes me feel good. I get to ride my bike on a beautiful day, on nice roads. You can't put a price on that. And, I, and that look on our customers' faces, especially when they come back and they say to us, oh, the bike runs absolutely fantastic. I love this. Uh, to me, that makes me the happiest of all, is, is that customer saying how happy they are um, with, the, with the bike they're now ri they're riding. Yeah, I mean, I talk to the customers. I'm, same thing as like Jennifer said before, I didn't... When I started, I didn't want to talk to anybody, but now I have no problem talking to the people that walk in, calling the customers, any of that. That's the biggest thing. I, I do have one thing, I guess. Okay. I, I, we've learned that there, the cycling community here is stronger than we thought, and maybe stronger than what some other people thought. They're just, before we came along, didn't seem to be a central location that a very diverse group of people would come to. Based on all the things that we've already said, we've found out that there's a lot of people who ride their bikes. Some only do it a couple times a year, some do it every day, or somewhere in between. But there's actually a really good community here. So our hope for the future is that we can get those people more involved in certain types of events or charities or, or whatever that there are in the area and a lot of people don't even realize it sometimes a lot of times we tell people yeah this one's coming up or this event or that charity ride or whatever's coming up and they don't even know it so th th we actually have the foundation for a very strong cycling community so we're hoping to continue to build that one of the things that we did find out too is that the other bike shops don't necessarily want to be in competition with you so you know, we're really close with um, Oswego. He does Trek. We have Giant in Krogan. So we support each other. So if we have someone that wants a different brand and we don't have it, we say, hey, we know someone who, who does. Let us call them and see what we can get for you. And they're the same way with us. So we feel like if you can work with your fellow bike shops, it's only good to um, increase your, well, your bike riders and cyclists and the mentality that we actually do like each other and there's not competition there. Because I remember I've talked to Aaron before about, you know, not everyone wants to specialize. The fact that you guys have KHS is kind of a game changer because right. it's a much more affordable bike, yep. still with good parts on it, but at a more affordable frame option. Besides specialized KHS, what else do you have that you can get in? We now, now carry Surface e-bikes. We have free agent, we the people, and radio BMX available. We only keep a couple in, in stock. However, that's probably going to change. We're getting asked about them a lot, in part 
because of the new indoor riding park at the mall. So we, we have those brands also. KHS has subsidiaries, Manhattan Cruisers and things like that. We briefly carried a couple of, of, of other brands that some people may, if they've been in here, may have seen. But that was brief because of the pandemic and having a hard time getting stock. And our good friends at some of these shops, Jennifer mentioned a minute ago, helped us out in that regard. But those aren't, those are no longer a, uh, a thing. However, we will service them as if there are, just like there are a Specialized or a KHS. And in the meantime, we service any bike, no matter where they bought it or what brand it is. So that, that won't be an issue. But those are our brands, Specialized, KHS, Free Agent, Radio, Surface, We The People. So what's the future for Recrease look like? Obviously, you know, you walk in, you see all this lumber, you see the, <laughs> the, the space that's waiting to get renovated. What are the goals for you guys going forward? I might have mentioned it earlier, but we, we want the service to get a little more efficient. And it's not just the space that we see over here that we're trying to finish. Our point of sale system and our, our bookkeeping system, and all, all those type of things behind the scenes, we're trying to improve on them. When I was just saying to the guys the other day, when we started out in that little 14-foot wide space down the road here, it was me. I, that, that's who worked there. And so some of the things we set up in our computer program to do sales and all that was based on that. And now that we have all these people working for us, it's not working out very well. <laughs> There's a lot of crossover. So we need, to, we need to clean that stuff up so we can get even better and grow in that sense. We love the area that we're in, um, the downtown area here, and all the help that we get from the downtown people. So we don't necessarily want to move out of here, but we are starting to outgrow it. So we have talked to the landlord here about being able to get more space, and that should be happening pretty soon. So that's, that's a good thing. And then one other thing I guess I would have mentioned is we did purchase a trailer at the end of last year that has a side, whole side that opens up on it. So it's great to do remote stuff out of, whether it's events or traveling to do work at other locations. So we're going to try to add that at some point in the future. We've got a lot going on. It may not be soon, but we want that to be a feature, too, that people could use because we get people that come from as far away as Ogdensburg, Potsdam, Canton, Messina. So if we could have a remote location that could get around a little bit more, that might expand even more. This last, this past year, we purchased a timing equipment, and I'm working towards fully getting that basically out there. This year we have four rides already that are um, we're going to be timing, as well as possible 5Ks for those that are around us. So I'm hoping to expand that portion of our business, seeing that grow. I'm real excited about that because you get to be part of the community even deeper because you're meeting people from all over. So I'm excited. As we continue to grow, I think Aaron said something about buying us a brand new espresso machine. Did you hear that? <laughs> uh, continued growth, uh, more customers, new customers are, are always a lot more, a lot of fun. Um, you get to hear stories, a lot of stories. You know, I've had this bike for, I bought this bike when I graduated from high school. And the person is my age and I still have it. I rode it all through Europe one year. Uh, th those are the kind of stories that are just from that, in, from our industry, from cycling. To continue to grow that is just great. I mean, the e-bike thing is getting big. So once we get those in here, that's... Basically, I work on those a lot, so that's what I'm looking at. BMX bikes and stuff, those are getting big again, and that's what I used to ride, so getting more of that stuff in here would be cool. 
Yeah, and to give Pete a little credit there, if it wasn't if he wasn't here, we wouldn't be doing the e-bike stuff. Thank God for uh, Pete. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's he's a wizard with uh, a voltmeter. Yeah, <laughs> being able to trace out problems, and then when he finds it, he'll just he'll just solder in new wires or whatever the case, whatever needs. So he's having him here has allowed us to even have that option to expand into that. We we just simply wouldn't do it if we didn't think we were going to be able to do it well with the follow-ups and repair end of it so props to having him here for that <laughs> so there you go when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you mentioned the local area. What's so great about this community around here besides the open roads? The cycling community is, even though I mentioned earlier that, you know, it, at first it didn't seem like it was very strong, but then we started to slowly realize it was. We just needed it to come together. But there were hints there. For example, um, there's a there's a couple who have a, a, a website that they put up a long time ago and it's everybody re- references it as Jeffco Bike and they will allow people to come on there and basically tell what the ride's going to be and when even if it's way in the future um, to try to get the community together there's been other bike shops here in the past and for various reasons they they've had difficulties at one point or another and I know most of them it's not their their own fault um, up here the season's so short that if you have just a couple things go poorly for a couple years in a row or even one year sometimes it makes it very difficult so some of those people are still around and one of them still open props to them for keeping going as long as they did (laughs) uh, whether they're still open or not because it is a it is a fairly hard season to work with up here but the the advantage to that is is that when it does go people are out and so we're just hoping you know, we've mentioned it before, but we're hoping that we can continue to corral that enthusiasm and turn it into some great events and and, and other things, too, that, of course, we know are coming. So, and I keep saying community. I've probably said it more than most standing here, but the reason I'm saying that is because they want you to succeed. I think that was the biggest thing for me is when I started talking to people and saying what we did and what we're trying to do, I hope it works out. What can we do? What do you need? And being able to hear that from different ones and realizing I have no idea who that person is on the street, but then they say, oh, you're the one with the bike shop. Oh, I know your husband. And then them speaking about it, you feel like, wow, we actually are loved in this community. And I think that was big for me to know that they want you to succeed. No one's standing in the back hoping that something's gonna take you down. They're constantly wanting to give us support and make sure that we succeed in one way or another. One of the things that is really has made this area so vital and so popular for riding is off-roads. Road riding is frightening to a lot of people. They don't like having cars go by them at 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, no matter how wide the shoulders are. But because of the openness of this area, and the North Country is just so blessed to have this, we have more off-road 
roads, trails than pretty much anywhere else on the East Coast, especially Black River Trail system. They're always trying to expand that. And my wife and I walk on it quite a bit. And we're always seeing cyclists that are just putting along, having a great time on a beautiful evening. Winona Forest, Barnes Corner area of the Tug Hill, hundreds and hundreds of miles of gravel roads, trails, whether they be single track, old logging roads that predominantly are used by ATVers, wintertime sledders, and now they're being opened and utilized so much by people on bicycles, especially with the popularity of the gravel riding world that's just come into in, in, into being. It has really changed the face of this area. It should be a major draw to anybody around to come up here and ride. And it, again, and I said it before with the e-bikes, it opens up the world completely differently to a whole new range of riding at a much more comfortable and safer, I would say, level to people that aren't accustomed to riding with cars around them all the time. I haven't heard about this indoor riding place at the Salmon Run Mall. Can we, <laughs> can we talk about that for a little bit? Well, strangely enough, I had not heard about it either until um, some people came in looking for BMX stuff. They mentioned it. And so we, Jennifer and I, ran over and took a look at it couple days later. Um, there's space in the mall. I obviously didn't get out a tape measure and measure it, but I would guess it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 10,000, 12,000 square feet. And they've got a lot of features in there. There's plenty of room for them to continue adding. They have a few bikes and boards there to, to rent. As you walk into the right, there's a an area with a lot of chairs so you can take a break and sit down or the parents can sit there and wait and everything. And you just pay hourly. Um, the person who is running it, whom I don't know, but according to the people who are coming in um, and talking about it, he owns one in Pennsylvania, and it's been a success. So he decided to come up here and he try said it. in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? I don't know the specifics. Okay, so from I, I lived in Ohio for a long time. I'm used to bike parks because we had one in Dayton. We have one in Cleveland. There is a, a bike park in Pittsburgh called the Wheel Mill. We had one for a while, about probably seven or eight years ago in Syracuse that abruptly closed up about five years ago. Yeah, yeah, that, that one, U-Haul uh, bought the building, and that was very unfortunate because a lot of us put a ton of work into helping, helping build that one, and it had a lot of space. It was a big one. But. So are we talking mainly wooden features, I guess, at this place in the mall? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't walk right in there because there was a lot of people riding when I went in there, which is good to see, but... It looked like a combination of that and that that type of board they tend to use on some of the outdoor ones, but I, I couldn't I couldn't be sure about that. I didn't get too close. Yeah, because now I have all these questions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the right what's the riding like? Do I bring my my mountain bike? Do I bring a BMX bike? You know, it, it's all based on how the parks are built. What yeah. works? What doesn't work? Yeah, it's a it's a BMX and skateboard park. A mountain bike wouldn't work very good on it. The one in Syracuse that you mentioned a minute ago, that one had a lot of lines on it that were designed for bigger wheel bikes. But this one isn't set up that way. This is basically like a park that you would see at the edge of just about every little town now, except much bigger and indoors, which is great around here because it snows a lot. So. 
is it one of those, well, they're paying for the mall, so therefore it's open year-round. I was going to yeah. say, is it open specifically times of the year? Do they have BMX bikes for rent? My understanding is yes, it, and it looked like it while I was there, but I, I haven't confirmed that. If, if they don't, I'm going to go talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you know, local community, we've got these rides going around in this area. We've had the Spoker Ride going on for over, now this will be the 21st year of the Spoker Ride, because last year I talked to them, it was the 20th. We've got the Ride for Dignity, which you guys are taking over, correct? So the shelter box. Shelter box. It's been called the Ride for Dignity before, but yep. if you want to call it the shelter box, is correct. Sorry. Sure. <laughs> I don't, I don't, we don't go that far back. We got involved a couple seasons ago. They asked us to come and do neutral support type, type support. So I've only known it for a short time, actually. I'll let Jennifer talk to about it because she got asked during the off-season this past year to kind of take it over. So she's doing that. The one thing about Shelterbox is they support so many people, which I wanted to be a part of. They're particular, I'm ambassador now for Shelterbox. Shelterbox is a global company. We, rep, we represent the USA division. They have response everywhere. Turkey for the earthquakes, the floods in uh, Syria, you name it. You, you see that uh, they're there. However, local community, when it comes to Shelterbox, um, didn't know. They hear Shelterbox, what is that? This is something that is actually gives life to families. So for me to be a part of it, it's exciting. We have, again, I use the word community, um, supporting us on that. And just seeing how people come together to put this event together, I've learned a lot. And you realize how much work it is behind the scenes to make it a success on that day. So having the people around you to support you to do an event, huge. But I love Shelterbox. I could talk about it all night because I'm impressed by the, the actual charity. It's wonderful. We've also had a group from Lewis County who've been coming in. Obviously, it's important to have multiple things. And for a long time, we really didn't have anything going on at all in yeah. Lewis County for years. So obviously, you know, we have the O2O, which happens in late May. We have the gravel race that's going to happen on July 16th this year. We have the cycle to St. Lawrence, which is going to be a ride from Alex Bay to Ogdensburg and back. That happens in the week before Labor Day. And then we have this mountain bike short track yeah. race series that I'm putting on. So what does it mean to have a group like that come in and just do so much, in your opinion, as a shop owner? Well, I'm extremely happy that you did it. A couple seasons ago, we had a gravel race run up here, and I was ecstatic that was happening because having a, an event like that in our backyard was going to just be good for everybody involved in the cycling community. Unfortunately, it wasn't able to continue. So for them to kind of come in and do that, that was great. In fact, I wanted it to happen so bad that we were actually we had actually gone out and done a lot of reconnaissance to do one until I heard that one was coming, and which I was happy with to back off because we have so much going on with the shop. In fact, we just met out at the start site uh, a couple of days ago and just trying to finalize where that would happen, you know, where exactly things are going to happen. And so they're doing a really good job. They have a lot of people that are stepping up. And they've they've capped that gravel ride at 500 people because they'll probably get that many. And they want to make sure they do a good job the first year until they, they decided to cap it. But that's an event that in the future, once everybody's a little, we've done it a time or two, we've kind of worked some of the kinks out or whatever, that group will probably expect a thousand plus riders at, at this thing right in our backyard i mean from where we're doing the podcast tonight that's 
if you know how to get there, it's a 15-minute drive from where we're standing. So that is extremely exciting. We are hope we're doing everything we can to make sure it goes off well. Tell everybody about it and support it. Obviously, day of, we're doing a bunch of support, so it's going to be great. I think, too, we realize that there's a huge tri-community, and a lot of us are like, oh, we're road riders, we're gravel riders, and a lot of times we don't um, include them because tries usually are not in our area, but we have one in Henderson Harbor. So they have a try just after shelter box that they do. People can still participate again in our backyard because we don't see that here. So we're hoping, too, that we can support them when they have their event. No matter if you're a try person or not, it's good to have something like that in our backyard. Yeah, and you mentioned the um, mountain bike Short track series. That Aaron's nice enough to be on the committee also, which I appreciate very much. <laughs> You're welcome. I have been trying to put that out there. Everybody who comes in that seems to be a mountain biker or interested or whatever, we're telling. And the the response is overwhelmingly positive. In fact, I would say sometimes even ecstatic. And again, it goes back to what we said. A, somebody said a minute ago, we didn't have anything just a couple years ago. And now we're going to have a literal series, mountain bike race series, pretty close by. And people are really happy about it. So I, ex- I fully expect that our first year on that will be very successful. And that's, it's just going to snowball, I think. And the area is going to become a place to come to. And so. we can talk more about, you know, one, the podcast is the primary sponsor of that, which I was happy I was able to uh, fundraise some of my own money, so take uh, the profits I made from a race last year in Ohio and put it towards that. But so the budget's already paid for. Everything right. is literally going to be straight profit right. going towards hopefully the goal for the Adirondack Foothills Cycling Club to have next year the money all going towards a kids program because nothing against school sports, but I wish I had something that I could do for a lifetime that was an option when I was a kid. Right. I wish there was something that I could do more than just play on a field or a court. There's got to be more, and bikes have that opportunity to explore, go on adventure, challenge yourself in different ways, and challenge yourself, not you versus someone else, which is not something that's always available. Right. Something Mike said earlier, uh, referencing customers and their reaction to their bike and telling stories of you know, about it and everything. You just reminded me of, of that. So I just wanted to say something out of the blue, I know, but Mike, he mentioned his age earlier, so I'm not blowing him in here. <laughs> 67. Easily the oldest one in our group here, but he's the fastest one in the group here. Like, we can't keep him in sight as soon as the hill gets there. It, it just goes to show that you mentioned a minute ago the, the lifelong thing, and also to tie all that in, uh, Jennifer mentioned earlier about uh, the women, trying to get them more involved in everything. Well, that's not to say that women don't have things they do if they want to be active or keep in shape and everything. However, making it easier for them to feel comfortable with cycling or older people or whoever it may be is a great thing because you can do it your entire life. And we have several customers that come in here, again, Mike mentioned it earlier, that are well into their 70s and they're still doing 100 mile rides every week plus other rides. So it's something you literally can do the rest your entire life so the kids the kids thing uh, you know the money going to the, towards that and having specific kids races at our mountain bike series that, that we've been talking about is going to hopefully get more of those people to realize that that's what it is and 
take advantage of it. There's just as many kids options as there is an adults. Cause like I said, there's a kid's fun lap because not everyone's going to probably be able to go out for 15 minutes, but right. there's an under 15 race. And I have gotten a little bit of flack from people. They're like, well, you're gonna have a 14 year old going against a six year old. Well, one, we're starting what I call avalanche starts, which is 20 to 30 people wide. So therefore everyone's going to start at their own speed. Yep. And most of the courses are double track. One, because we don't have a lot of single track in this area, so most of the courses are going to be on forest trails. Kids are awkward enough when they pass each other anyway, but when you've got so much space, it's not going to be a problem. But like you said, also we've got a 15 to 18 because I think it's important to give those kids their own kind of thing, but also a beginner, an intermediate, and an adult category. And the first race, we're going to be giving out full-size cowbells because what's better way to bring it on beyond this own beyond this own series the one thing i love about short track is it's short it's condensed there's gonna be laps you can cheer people on i can bring out the local tv crew and say hey by the way you don't have to just videotape the start and then leave because you're not going to see anything else but you can stick around and see people doing multiple things people can cheer people can go out and congregate in different areas of the course but also i'm happy that on the fourth race we're having something if people don't know we're having a relay race at the end because I think friendly competition is fun, and we're going to be giving out three bottles of wine from our sponsor, Roads and Orchards, in Constableville. Are going to be giving out three of their most popular bottles, but in so the options are of a male only two to four person team, a mixed, and a women only two to four person team for four laps. You can't do laps in a row; you have to tag somebody in. So there'll be an area to do that. But it's right after the expert race, so those really fast guys are going to be a little tired. So it's going to make it a little bit more competitive, which I love. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, when you're talking about kids, the things that we don't have now is imagination. You don't see hardly everybody sitting in front of a TV, playing a game. They don't have that imagination of what can I do. And being on a bike, when I was a kid, it was so exciting. Where could I go? What what could I see? And if we encourage that, we're going to see better human beings, in my opinion. They're going to have more um, discipline. No matter if you're riding a bike or not, there is rules. You got to put your shoes on. You got to wear a helmet. Those rules need to be followed. They learn that. And I think um, having kids on a bicycle is the best thing you can ever do because, like we said, it's lifelong and something we enjoy. I'd like to thank Fort Drum. They've been a We've been a big beneficiary of the people that are at Fort Drum. We have a lot of our customers for sales and service, our soldiers and their families from Fort Drum. A lot of the people that ride with us on our Thursday uh, group ride and our Saturday group ride are people from Fort Drum. That's been a big boost to the economy and as well as the society um, because you see a, a wider group of people riding. Uh, it's a larger group now that's condensed into, into this area. Cycling can be kind of imposing on people when you see us riding by. I know Calvin and Hobbes, the comic book, they make some really funny comic strips about his son mocking his dad for the helmet looking like he's got a bowling ball on his head. <laughs> and many of us do when we're in our, our kit you know, it's not jeans and a t-shirt and we look a bit different but when you see the inclusion of all the people from from the Fort Drum area uh, from all around the country that participate I think it makes it a little bit more acceptable and a little more encouraging for everybody that yeah we're not the oddball out we're 
we're the society. We're an, we're an actual community that's large and very supportive of each other. Is there anything you want to talk about the industry right now? Is there anything that are opportunities within the bicycle industry, whether it be you know the trends? I kind of feel like the whole gravel push is dying off a little bit. I've noticed that this year. It probably will slow down. There's still a lot of people asking for them. There, I think that's in part because they're still somewhat hard to get. All bikes were hard to get a season or two ago. For some reason, road bikes, which gravel is kind of a subcategory of, is still harder to get than the other types for, for whatever reason. So I think that's still driving it a little bit. Trend, uh, new trends, whether it's a gravel bike or not, I think people who would typically have bought the fast arrow whatever road bike are looking for a little bit more of an all-around bike simply because the gravel bike did open their eyes up to the possibilities. Uh, I think Mike alluded to that earlier, but the possibilities of uh, just doing something a little differently or maybe a little more comfortably than the little skinny tires traditionally, you know, provided. That's probably the the trend I see where road bikes are probably going to become more all-rounders, or at least that's what people would look for instead of trying to copy the their favorite pro. Is the want for an e-bike still strong? Is it still a growing sector? Oh, yeah. We get asked almost every day, sometimes many times a day, about the e-bikes. We're hoping to get more in here soon, very soon, working on that. That The explosion on that is, I don't even know the numbers, it's... It's massive. I, I have read the, the uh, statistics that, for the first time, e-bikes outsold regular bikes. So that kind of gives you an idea. Now, a lot of that is, is online sales, and that's unfortunate to a degree because there's so many e-bike companies, do the little air quotes thing there, that aren't really bicycling companies. And so we have seen a lot of people have trouble with that. We try to help them if we can, but... Sometimes we can't. So we would encourage people. I, we know they're very popular, and a lot of people want them. If you get one from a brand that was already a bicycling company, you're going to be better off for it. But, yeah, that is a trend that's already here. It's, it's, it's exploded. Pete mentioned earlier the BMX thing seems to be coming back. And, of course, we're feeling it a little bit in this area because <laughs> that indoor park opened up. And at first we didn't even realize why there was – more people requesting until we found out about that. So in our, specific to our area, that's probably going to get bigger. There's still a lot of the Army guys that are pretty young, and they still want to ride that way. So that'll probably keep getting bigger, too. And I'll say this about BMX. Most people think of kids. Instantly think, oh, it's a kid's sport. It actually is not. We have more adults come in and ask us about BMX than we do just for kids. So it is a wide range of age groups that do BMX, which is surprising. To, well, it was surprising to me. I think one of the benefits on the e-bike side of things is the commuting world. You know, if you have a five to ten mile commute, especially into maybe Watertown or one of the you know larger surrounding communities, parking is a challenge. Traffic is a challenge. You jump on your e-bike. That commute could be shorter on the bike than in the car when you have traffic conditions. Uh, I know, again, being from the Boston area, eh, try driving in Boston. You don't drive. You sit in traffic <laughs> most of the time. 
And so many more people now are on bikes, pedal bikes, and especially the e-bike. It makes commuting a dream. You get to work, you're not covered in sweat, so you don't have that aspect to worry about. Uh, and on the flip side, the more sporting side, is, as I alluded to before, it opens up the world to people that aren't able to ride their bicycles as a vast, uh, maybe a majority of the bicycling population is able to ride. Uh, they may have uh, physical reasons. They may have hip or knee problems, back problems. They may not be as fit as they were 20 or 30 years ago. And their rides were limited to just several miles. And it got boring, same road, traffic, where now they're on e-bikes and all of a sudden that two to five mile trip becomes a 25 mile exploration. And they stop at different places now and they're able to see and do things that they've never done before. That's, I'm not the hugest fan of e-bikes because they're e-bikes. I'm an old school racer, so it's difficult for me. But when I see all the people come in here telling their stories about how it's opened their world up for them, and then the people that are using them as commuting vehicles, it's, it's been a huge boon, not only to society, but especially to the bicycle industry as a whole. And you go on the commuting thing, like, all I ride is a bike year-round. That's all I have. And I don't think we even talked about it yet, but the fat tire bikes. So that makes it so you can ride basically year-round up here, so... That's a good point because we were mentioning the events earlier and we forgot to mention that in March there's a couple of fat bike events right in our backyard too, about 20 minutes from where we're standing. So, yeah. so yeah, I haven't seen an explosion in those yet, but each time we get one in, it goes relatively quickly. Hopefully that'll be a trend that keeps an upward trajectory also. And I did forget to mention about the uh, the rail-to-trail purchase that we just recently had from... Lowville to Krogan and also to Carthage that's hopefully going to be in effect in hopefully a couple of years. Yep. What is currently getting you stoked on bicycles? It's riding season. <laughs> I went out and did my first outdoor ride of the year. I'm probably a little later than some, but that was it was great just to be out there again, not sitting and watching the screen. Being 67 and beating up 30-year-olds. Uh-huh. <laughs> on the bicycle. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I think I've always kind of been stoked on bicycles. So, <laughs> Yeah, like we mentioned earlier, he came in there years and years ago as a kid, mm-hmm. and we could tell he was more serious about it than the rest of the kids. And here he is, like he mentioned a minute ago, all these years later, and... That's what he uses. He goes and gets groceries with it. He comes to work with it. You, you see him riding around town with it. He's, he's got this bike that looks like a, you know, you literally, yeah. it's <laughs> Fully customized. Yeah, fully customized. Yep. I'll, I'll just say that um, this is my year. So to finally get back on a bike, be able to go somewhere, be able to ride with Aaron, I think I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, I Pactimo ambassador this year. I got accepted to that. So to be able to represent the brand and um, show that anyone can ride a bike. And I think that's a big thing for me because I'm going to start out slow, but I know this will be my year. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today, guys. And thanks for hosting me at Recreate Bike Studio on Court Street in Watertown, New York. Do you have any last words? Thanks for coming. And we really appreciate what you've done with your podcast and the other efforts you're making. We, uh, We really appreciate anybody who gets that involved and stuff. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, rate us. 
and tell your friends about it. Check out our Patreon page where you can get a lot more bonus content, all full unedited videos, all after banter where things get crazy sometimes, and early previews for the next episode. It's all available for only $3 a month. And follow our Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on all the things we are working on. Until next time, just keep rolling.